Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and this is going to be episode 192 of The Informed Catholic, episode 192. And uh, we're going to do the Wednesday for the third week of Advent. So let's uh, begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy, Christ, have mercy, Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Entrance Antiphon is a combination of Hebrews... And 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. The Lord will come and he will not delay. He will illumine what is hidden in darkness and reveal himself to all the nations. One more time. The Lord will come and he will not delay. He will illumine what is hidden in darkness and reveal himself to all the nations. The Lord will come and he will not delay. He will illumine what is hidden in darkness and reveal himself to all nations. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that the coming solemnity of your Son may bestow healing upon us in, in this present life and bring us the rewards of life eternal through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. All right, so um, before I begin the reading, which is going to be from Isaiah 45, for, um, you know, it's interesting, I've been exploring to try to improve my prayer life. And uh, last couple of days, uh, what I've done is I've actually started to pray the rosary more daily. I mean, I want to, but basically what I want to do is I want to add more scripture in my daily life and I want to pray the rosary. And the thing is, is that, you know, it's funny, there's a lot of people who argue over John Paul adding the luminous mysteries to the set of rosary beads. And I know there's a lot of people who are very, um, suspicious of that they felt that because here's what the thing they argue over the fact that the three original set of rosaries which came down from saint dominic uh the joyful the sorrowful and the glorious that if you pray those daily every day those three set of mysteries you know there's five joyful and there's five sorrowful and there's five glorious. And if you pray all of them, then it adds up to 150 Psalms, which is, I mean, 150 Hail Mary's, Salt or the Salt or the Our Lady, that it pretty much, um, you know, uh, combines, combines with that. And I would agree. I would agree with that. That was the original tradition of it. But here's the thing. 
the, the, the luminous mysteries is not a violation of that. The tradition is basically is that the rosary, the method, the technique, the mechanism, lack of a better term, that it was a help to meditate on the mystery of the Bible to help those, especially those at one time who could not read. And since they couldn't say all 150 Psalms, the rosary, which was the Psalter of Our Lady, the word Psalter means Psalm, was to help the the believer, the 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 Christian, the, the the Christian, regardless whether if you knew how to read or not, because even someone who let's say is a scholar has trouble uh, sometimes meditating or developing a good prayer life because their intellectual uh, tendencies tend to dominate their their prayer life it tends to overwhelm their prayer life that they tend to like their 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 need to look into study the uh studying is not necessarily always praying it's not necessarily always meditating and, you know there's sometimes a vanity and ego comes with the intellect and that's true for scholars rather if you're an orthodox scholar who believes or whether you're a liberal scholar who's trying to find ways to discredit the historical truth of Christianity. There's a vanity streak that goes through both. And, and I'm, I, I'm sorry to, to go on like this, but you could pray on that particular day. If it's the day of the joyful mystery, pray the five joyful mysteries Three times. You don't have to say. You all you have to do. You have to say the, the Apostles' Creed and the three Hail Marys and, uh, the introductory prayer. Technically, like the the Glory Be, the three Hail Marys, um, the the Oh My Jesus at the start. With I usually add a Saint Michael to it because I like to add Saint Michael to it. The introductory prayer can be said only once, and you just meditate. On the five joyful mysteries, do three sets of meditation which add up to 150 Psalms on that particular day, you know? And I know we're busy, we're busy throughout the day, but whenever an opportunity comes, I always in the morning uh, start with that. And I find it easier for me. Like you could do it, find a moment in the morning to do it. If you could have time, if you can get up, like focus on the first joyful mystery. And if you can, if you have time getting, uh, getting dressed, you can fo focus on the second joyful mystery. And you knocked off two decades out of five, out of five, the five. And then on your way to the train, if you have time waiting on the platform, focus on the third joyful mystery. And if you find a seat on the train, right now we're wearing masks so nobody can see us, you know, moving our lips. You can focus on the last two sets of mysteries. You just knocked off the first 50 Hail Marys. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to sound dismissive, but I'm saying is it's very easy to do. So 
when an opportunity comes, like you're walking to work or uh, whatever, you have a moment of time, focus on, 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 on the decade of the, of the first joyful mystery again. And you don't have to finish it. Just whenever the time comes, you get a 30-minute break. You can be alone somewhere. You know, if there's nobody around bothering you and, and everything, you can just focus on it again. You know, focus on it again. And then uh, you finish, the, the again, a second set of, of five joyful, joyful mysteries. Joyful mysteries. It's 100 Psalms on the way home. And you can focus on adding, like, a good thing to do is... You can add a decade or all five decades to the holy souls in purgatory. That's another thing we have to do. We have to pray for the holy souls in purgatory. I was listening to this uh, explaining the faith from the Divine Mercy, the Marian of the Immaculate Conception priests, Marian priests. They're really great. Father Allaire, he's um, really great. He explained why um, we can pray for dead relatives, we can pray for friends, we can assist them in purgatory by our prayers to purify them, that they may be purified and go to heaven sooner. And he explains the, the benefits of praying for not just souls in purgatory, but for some soul, poor soul that you may not know, a name you'll never know, who needs someone to pray for them. So they can find it, find faith, find conversion. And he explained our universal priesthood with Christ. You know, the divine mercy chaplet, eternal father, I offer you the, the, the body and blood, soul, divinity of your dearly beloved son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. That's another thing you can say throughout the day for the souls in purgatory or for some, some poor soul who needs to find conversion or some soul out there who's who's uh, hooked on alcohol and drugs or suffering mental illness, you could pray for those soul and you can pray for someone who you know passed away. You know, we, we can participate in the priesthood and inter uh, and and it, with Christ and help other souls to convert. We don't pray for another uh, other people. Our big, our greatest benefit comes from praying for others, rather than just focused on ourselves. And that in itself is a great benefit to our salvation when we pray for other people. This is one of the reasons why I think the rosary was given to us to help assist us. In interceding for other people, we always look to the saints and we ask the saints to pray for us, which is true. They can pray for us. But when you say you're going to pray for somebody, you better keep your promise and pray for that soul. Don't just say you're going to pray for that person. Pray for that person. And that's something we don't do enough. We're very self-centered and very selfish generation. The cell phones made us very selfish. Entertainment made us very selfish. The music has made us very selfish. All right? We are a very selfish generation. And this is the, probably the greatest distracting age. We have a lot of distraction. Our clothes, our fashion industry, our entertainment, our music, 
um, the celebrities we have has made us into a self-centered generation. And I'm guilty of it. I'm very guilty of it. You know, and that's something we need to change. All right. I went off too long. So let's begin with the first reading. Okay. So now we'll start with the first reading. Isaiah 45. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 6 to 8, 18 to 21 and 25. Let the clouds rain down. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form the light and create the darkness. I make well-being and create woe. I, the Lord, do all these things. Let justice descend, no heavens, like dew from above. Like gentle rain, let the skies drop it down. Let the earth open and salvation bud forth. Let justice also spring up. I, the Lord, have created this. For thus says the Lord, the creator of, of the heavens, who is God, the designer and maker of the earth, who established it, not creating it to be a waste, but designing it to be lived in. I am the Lord and there is no other who announced this from the beginning and foretold it from of old. Was it not I, the Lord, besides whom there is no other God? There is no just and saving God but me. Turn to me and be safe, all you ends of the earth, for I am God. There is no other by myself, I swear uttering my just decree and my unalterable words. To me every knee shall be shall bend, by me every tongue shall swear, saying, Only in the Lord are just deeds and power. Before him in shame shall come all who vent their tongue against him. In the Lord shall be the vindication and the glory of all the descendants of Israel. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So here we have God reminding us that he is God. Reminding us that creation belongs to him. And that. And that he creates light and darkness. He creates. He can create. He can make well-being and woe. He is the Lord. He does all these things. And that salvation belongs to him. That the dew and the rain and the wind and the light and all beautiful things, all things, the mountains, the snow, the clouds, the rivers, the sea, the vegetation, all come from him all is dependent upon him he created it for us to live in he created it for good not for bad and that justice justice belongs to him he's the source of all good not evil for thus says the lord the creator of the heavens who is god the designer and maker of the earth who established it, not creating it to be a waste, but designing it to be lived in. I am the Lord and there is no other. This is important for the, all the uh, 
the environmentalists out there, the environmentalists, the uh, the climate change people who basically are, t- what they do is they take creation, they take God's cre- creation, the, the world, and what they do is they take it and they make it into God. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. It is basically something that is dependent on God. We can't save the world, but what we can do is we should treat it as something sacred. Something sacred. Remember, for a time being, God became human. He took on a human nature. And that why did he become human? Because to make human life sacred, He took what is rightfully his. The human image is his. He created humanity in his image and in his likeness. He created created humanity, man and woman. It's not for us to play with or to change meaning of gender or to change meaning of sex or to change the meaning of being a man or a woman. That's not for us. It's not our right to do that. And... This is something that everybody should know this. Everybody has to know this. God created everything for us. And being human is something sacred. I, this is why I believe when you when 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 someone wants to kill another human being, whether it's a full-grown adult or an unborn child, put the image of God, put Christ in front of them. And you know what Christ would say? Go ahead, kill me. Go ahead, kill me. The the image of Christ in front of the unborn baby. Go ahead, kill me. The image of Christ in front of an elderly person. And people want to send people to like, sort of like an old folks home to die, to terminate their life. Christ will stand in front of them and say, go ahead. Kill me too. Remember what he said. You do this to the least of my kind. You do it to me. And this is something that a lot of these people have to start getting into their head. All right. Yes, there we are. There are, we do have death penalties. These is like for, for, for special cases, for really, really special cases. Like I was listening the other day, uh, Ted Bundy. This is a story I heard from a priest. He um, went into a dorm room and started killing these women. And one dorm room he went into, he um, stepped through the door and something like a force, some, someone, something knocked the knife out of his hand and pushed him out with unbelievable strength. Later on, the girl, the girl in that room uh, only wanted to talk to a priest. She was in a, she was in shock. She was in a state of complete shock. It turned out when Ted Bundy broke into her room, she fell asleep with the rosary in her hand. She promised her mom and grandma, this is what I, I, I heard, that she would pray at least the rosary every day. Well, she kept it to the end of the day and she fell asleep with the rosary in her hand in bed. Uh, what put what pushed Ted Bundy out? <laughs> 
Well, he, he said later on when he was in prison, he wanted to talk to a priest or a pastor. The, the priest who spoke to the young woman told the cops, if he says he wants to talk to a, a minister, please let me the, be the first. And he got there and he wanted to know what pushed him out of that room. And the priest told him that the young woman was praying the rosary and most likely it was her, it was divine assist, it was divine heaven, heaven itself, uh, an angel perhaps pushed him out of that room. He felt something and he sensed something, he sensed it. And he doesn't know, he wanted to know what force pushed him out of that room. Well, could say it was the Blessed Mother, we could say it was her guardian angel, we could say it was Saint Michael, we could say it was the Holy Spirit. Most definitely it was God. God working through all his 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 uh his heavenly host. God himself. Doesn't matter. The point is God protected a human life. Why did he permit the other ones? It was ready for them. It was time for them to go, sadly. We're not saying that it was right. It was horrible. God decides who lives and who dies. God appoints the time. And a lot of times it depends how we lived our lives. It, you know, decide how we die. It's a, it's a mystery. But the point is, Human life is sacred. Ted Bundy needed to be, needed to be reminded about that. He was a possessed person. He was extremely, I mean, if you want to meet someone who was possessed, Ted Bundy is a good example of a possessed a person. People, people have to start taking life seriously. It's not right. It's not right that way, the way we, we, we you shouldn't take life and set it apart from God. Then it becomes a pagan idol. Life is sacred. Christ came to here to live a month, to be one of us for a short time, to take back what was rightfully God, God's property. And that was our humanity. Our humanity comes from him and our humanity is dependent on him. He's not dependent on humanity. We're dependent on him. And Isaiah here is reminding us that. Besides who I, I, the Lord, and besides whom there is no other God, there is no just and saving God but me. There is no just and saving God but me. Turn to be, turn to me, and be safe, all you ends of the earth. For I am God; there is no other. By myself I swear, uttering my just decree and my unalterable word. To me every knee shall bend. To me every tongue shall swear, saying only in the Lord are just deeds and power. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. You should read it. Isaiah chapter 45. Read it. Let's move on to the next. Psalm 85. Let the clouds rain down the just one, and the earth bring forth a savior. Let the clouds rain down the just one, and the earth bring forth a savior. I will swear what God proclaims, the Lord, for he proclaims peace to his people.
Near indeed is his salvation to those who fear him. Glory dwelling in our land. Let the clouds rain down the just one, and the earth bring forth a Savior. Kindness and truth shall meet. Justice and peace shall kiss. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and justice shall look down from heaven. Let the clouds rain down the just one, and the earth bring forth salvation. The, the Lord himself will give his benefits. Our land shall yield its increase. Justice shall walk before him and salvation along the way of his steps. Let the clouds rain down the just one and the earth bring forth a savior. One more time. I will hear what God proclaims. The Lord, for he proclaims peace to his people. Near indeed is his salvation to those who fear him. Glory dwelling in our land. Let the clouds rain down the just one and the earth bring forth a savior. <clears throat> Kindness and truth shall meet. Justice and peace shall kiss. Truth shall spring out of the earth and justice shall look down from heaven. Let the clouds rain down the just one and the earth bring forth a savior. The Lord himself will give his benefits. Our land shall yield its increase. Justice shall walk before him and salvation along the way of his steps. Let the clouds rain down the just one and the earth bring forth a savior. It's kind of, it's almost very similar to uh, what we heard in Isaiah, but it's let the clouds, let the heavens rain down the just one and the earth spring forth a savior. <laughs> that earth is Mary, that fertilized soil, that beautiful unstained soil, untouched by original sin because she herself is that beautiful earth, that earth that goes back to creation. I saw the, uh, finally the chosen, uh, Christmas, the messengers. And, um, unfortunately, unfortunately, um, they showed, her, uh, the birth of Jesus. Uh, Mary giving birth, going into labor pains. And as Catholics, we don't believe that she would have gone into uh, the labor pains because you got to remember is that the result of labor pains is a result of sin. And since Christ himself had no sin and Protestants say it themselves, Jesus was without sin. That's true. So why would his mother give birth to him in labor pains? Since labor pains, Eve, God told Eve uh, after the fall when they taken the fruit and disobeyed God, they um, everyone was cursed with pain. But the result of sin, the result of disobedience brought pain and suffering, physical pain and suffering. And the result of giving birth contractions, pain 
is a result of sin. Eve, we believe, is the new Eve. And that we believe that her soul was preserved from the stain of Adam and Eve, from the stain of sin, from the curse. And Jesus himself, remember, Christ, like the woman who had the issue of blood, all right, um, the bleeding inside her uh, her her, um, her womb. She reached out and touched him and she was healed. The leper, Jesus reached out and touched the leper. The leper was healed. He, Jesus was not made unclean. So therefore, his presence in the womb of his mother and not even before she con she conceived him by the power of the Holy Spirit. She was immaculate. She was always immaculate. She was she was the only one. Not any other woman would have done. A Protestant can't say that. She herself was was predestined by God before she was born, before she was conceived in the womb of her parents. She was the only woman in all the world that her soul was kept free from sin. Body and soul, she's the only one. She did not she did not carry the sin of Adam and Eve on her. She was preordained, prepared to be his mother. I think the problem with a lot of people when it comes to this is it's hard for them it's hard for us to understand it. Our original state, our original state as human beings should be without pain and suffering, without sin. We can't conceive, we cannot picture, we cannot intellectually and spiritually comprehend that because we don't, we don't, we don't we're, we're always constantly that sin seems to be a natural state. It's not a natural state for us. For the Blessed Mother, it she did not have that. She did not have, you know, she is protected. She's, you know, she still needs a savior. It doesn't mean she doesn't need a savior. Her state of immaculate purity is dependent on her son, on the Trinity, on God, the father, the son, and Holy Spirit. This is not something she earned on her own. This is something that was a, a gift that she did not earn. God is still her savior. Even even in the state of grace, even in the state of the immaculate grace, God is still her savior. Catholics are not saying that she doesn't have, she doesn't need a savior. Her state of purity comes from Jesus, comes from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Even some Catholics have a problem. Catholics sometimes confuse, even Protestants say this. When they hear the word immaculate conception, they think it means... Jesus' birth. No. Immaculate means clean. Immaculate. Maculate means stain. The opposite of immaculate. Mary was immaculate, meaning that God blessed her. The Trinity blessed her with the grace of being preserved from sin. That's what it means. Okay, so let's move on to the gospel. Alleluia, alleluia. Raise your voice and tell the good news. Behold, the Lord comes with power. Alleluia, alleluia. Raise your voice and tell the good news.
Behold, the Lord comes with power. This is from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 9 to 10. Go back and tell John what you have seen and heard. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 7, verse 18 to 23. At that time, John summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? When the men came to the Lord, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? At that time, Jesus cured many of their diseases and sufferings and evil spirits. He also granted sight to many who were blind. And Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind regain their sight. The lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the good news proclaimed to them, and blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. The gospel of the Lord prays to you, Lord Jesus Christ, one more. At that time, John summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? When the men came to the Lord, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? At that time, Jesus cured many of their diseases and sufferings and evil spirits. He also granted sight to many who were blind. And Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind regain their sight. The lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised. The poor have the good news proclaimed to them. And blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So, John the Baptist is in prison, and he sent two of his disciples to ask Jesus a question. Does this mean John the Baptist is doubting Jesus? No, it's not. I don't believe this question was anything to do with John's doubts. I believe that it's because some of John's disciples, because listen to the word here, John summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord. It's interesting that the way Luke writes it, Luke writes it with a very reverent term. He uses the word Lord. Luke, Luke's gospel, I think it's really the latest, the last. I mean, he's, he's the one who basically most likely never met, I, I believe he never met Jesus in person. And I believe he's probably of that second generation of Christians because remember, Mark Matthews is, I believe, is directly. I, I know there are some scholars and there are some priests that want to follow the modernists in believing that the Gospels were not written by, by the apostles. They, they, they hold that view. They believe it was written long after them, after them and maybe it just follows their tradition. I don't believe in that. 
Okay, I don't believe in any of that that historical Jesus uh, school nonsense. I don't believe. I reject the the uh, the the whole uh, modernist, uh, cold scientific approach to the whole gospel study. All that I think has done a lot of damage, a lot of horrible damage. I'm not saying that we should ignore scholars, but what I believe we should do is. Be careful not to let their so-called cold scientific indifference, because many of them are looking to dis- to disprove sacred tradition, to disprove the existence of Jesus, to discredit it, to discredit uh, um, the church. It's all, and, and, and the funny part is many Catholics especially shamefully, a lot of Catholic priests just dived in there, dived in there just, just so they can get their names and books and papers and published. And, and they did a lot of damage. They did a lot of damage. I mean, you know, I still despise the footnotes uh, and the translation of the new American Bible. I think the, the new Catholic version is a lot better. Definitely, it's not perfect, but it's a lot better than than the new American. It's, I think it's it's uh, it could still be better. The problem here is, okay, what was John doing? Why was he sending, sending out two of his disciples? Because many of his disciples rejected Jesus. They rejected Jesus, and they wanted to believe that John was the Messiah. John was the Christ. And he held that belief. And I think he wanted them, he wanted them to understand that he has faith in Jesus, but they were, but they were not happy because they wanted to believe John, John, John should be the Christ. John should be the savior of Israel. It's not, it's not John, it's Jesus. And so he wanted two of his disciples to to come back with their faith, you know, uh, hearing the words of Jesus. Jesus was the one performing miracles. Jesus was the one casting out demons. Jesus was raising people from the dead. Jesus was, was curing lepers, giving sight to the blind. And the good news, to preach the good news, it was Jesus. Unfortunately, and most likely John's disciples, even after all the events, after John's martyrdom and then the after the resurrection of our Lord, still rejected it. Today, there's a minority in Iraq called Mendaeans. Mendaeans, um, they're a Gnostic sect and they practice rebaptism and they still hold the hand that John the Baptist is the Messiah, the real Christ. They're unfortunately dying out. There's very few of them. Uh, I met one man, uh, an Iraqi, who is a Mendaean. I've never met a Mendaean until I met him. <laughs> and he, um, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't practice the faith. He doesn't, you know, but they, they use Islamic names so they wouldn't be persecuted. Many of them have left and gone places like, I think, Canada and others, and they, they're trying desperately. Now they got permission to marry outside. They had an unfortunate practice of marrying within. And it just like the Samaritans, there are still Samaritans in Israel to this day. And they also have, uh, their population is dying too. Uh, they need to marry outside. And they're, they're allowing 
uh, others to come in. But it's fascinating to know that these that these particular groups still exist. But the purpose of John was to to get his disciples to acknowledge Jesus is the Christ. John must have been a very very impressive individual. Uh, scary but impressive. He must have been a very impressive individual and very and he and you know it's too bad we don't have too many of his words but um you can see in the book of acts that some still practice the baptism of john and did not know about the baptism of jesus of nazareth that jesus is jesus is the christ and and you know and i and who knows he might have performed some miracles but we're not told that so we can only assume there's a possibility it's not beyond a possibility but he was a very divisive, very um, controversial figure. Uh, Pharisees and Sadducees and the temple priests, they were all, all wondering about him. And then suddenly Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth comes along and John says, this man must increase while I decrease. He, the first thing he said about Jesus when he saw him was, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There's a lot of truth in that. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the one who will take away the sins of the world. Jesus is the one who will save us. And, and the thing is, worse than physical blindness is spiritual blindness. Blindness of the heart and soul and the mind, refusing to see the truth, refusing to see it. And thinking that you are saved, thinking that you are self-righteous only shows spiritual blindness. It's the worst part. And we're, you know, in many cases, spiritual the, the sin, the sin of the heart, the sin of unbelief is even worse than leprosy. The sin uh spiritual death is worse than real physical death. Um it's you know it, it's something uh, spiritual being spiritually crippled is worse than physical crippled because not see, not be able to walk in God in your heart, not even able to acknowledge God in your own heart. All that is worse than because it's worse because sin of unbelief is worse than actual physical sin, physical being physically crippled. You need God. You need salvation. You need to believe. You need to walk in the sight of the Lord. You need to seek him in your heart. You need to start praying. All that is very important. Okay, so um, let's end it here. Let's say in our Father, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, grant us your peace. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.